This is Chris Campbell with the Food Institute Podcast. This week we're speaking with Maria Teresa Scardigli and Andy Omez from the International Stevia Council about the natural sweetener. But before we get started, if you are a new listener to the Food Institute Podcast, we ask that you subscribe to our channel on YouTube so you can stay up to date with our latest episodes. And if you like this episode in particular, please share it and give it a like. Uh, It definitely helps us expand our reach and we really appreciate you doing that for us. With that said, I'd like to introduce Executive Director of the International Stevia Council, Maria Teresa Scardigli, and I'd like to ask how you're doing today. I'm doing great, Chris. Uh, Thank you. I'm delighted to be invited to this discussion. We're really glad that you decided to join us. So to get us started, if you're a consumer that uses sugar daily, say in your coffee or your tea, what is the major benefit of switching over to stevia? The major benefit is the fact that stevia is zero calorie, okay? And uh, and therefore, um, it helps controlling calorie intake in the diet. Um, but also, it has uh, it's uh, naturally derived from the plant. And consumers are looking more and more to uh, natural ingredient um, and healthy product. Are there any drawbacks to using stevia as a sweetener? Um, I'm talking about food allergies or perhaps any kind of sensitive populations that may want to avoid using this product. First of all, there are not uh, known side effect or allergy from the use of stevia. And um, stevia is a very safe ingredient. There have been more than 300 uh, research studies that support the safety of uh, stevia. Um, In this study, I've uh, uh, presented uh, biological, toxicological, and clinical data that demonstrate that uh, stevia extract is uh, safe for consumption by a human. And also by sensitive populations such as uh, pregnant women, um, children, lactating mother, and people with diabetes. What demographics are the most likely to use stevia? And are there any demographics that traditionally stayed away from these kinds of natural sweeteners that might be turning towards them in the present day? The International Stevia Council has done a conversation analysis um, in 2019, looking at data from 2017 and 2018. Uh, This is analysis uh, of the online conversation and the search trends to understand the attitude and the perception around stevia. And we did it in English and in uh, Spanish. And we were able to compare it to uh, the similar analysis we did in 2015. And uh, from this uh, uh, attitude and perception in the online conversation, we can see that the demographic are, uh, are the following. The majority are women, that's 60%. Um, and uh, 30, you know, the majority as well, I would say 80%, it's around um, 35 years old, adult and beyond. However, in a Spanish-speaking country, from the analysis, we saw that actually there is a certain percentage, around 20%, that is between 17 years old and below. So what would you attribute that split between? It seems that English speakers, it's an older female demographic, and then Spanish speakers, it's a younger demographic. What would you say is causing that split? I think the majority of this is because it's the channel that uh, where the conversation is taking place. Uh, in uh, the Spanish-speaking languages, the conversation is predominantly happening on uh, Twitter and on Instagram. And of course, Instagram is a social media mainly for uh, those you know, younger generation, I would say. 
Okay. So going back to that International uh, Stevia Council 2019 conversation report you cited earlier, I actually took a look at it before we spoke, and I saw that it was overall just a drastic increase overall, right? So we're seeing a 254% increase in English and a 200% increase in Spanish regarding mentions of Stevia on social media channels. So we kind of discussed the demographics, but what do you think is pushing this overall growth across all channels? The growth... The stevia industry is experiencing can be attributed to consumer really seeking healthier lifestyle and alternative for their diet. Um, for example, our study showed that the people are using stevia for recipe, uh, also more in conjunction with weight loss, uh, weight management, uh, dieting, but also for uh, blood sugar management and uh, diabetes. So we've touched upon health benefits and the fact that stevia is a natural sweetener, unlike other products on the market. Is there anything else that would make it attractive to a consumer? That as a sustainability story, okay, it's as a great uh, green story. It's actually from uh, um, the um, water, land, and footprint. Uh, it's between three to five times more efficient than sugar, for example, as a crop. Um, I think what is also important is the taste. Stevia has a great taste, which is very similar to uh, sugar. Uh, and therefore, you really need to try to embrace it. Um, it, it also allow um, product manufacturers to moderate calorie and to reach greater calorie reduction. Uh, there is a new generation of stevia glycoside that have been produced uh, recently that would really give a lot of more potential to the industry. Jumping back to an earlier point we touched upon, what can stevia producers do to improve consumption among U.S. youth? We can support uh, the younger generation in two ways. On the one side, we are being proactive in educating consumers on the benefit of stevia, but also on how to uh, use the stevia at home to sweeten beverages and uh, when cooking. Uh, the industry is actually providing examples of great tasting recipes. Uh, as you know, stevia is more than 200 times sweeter than sugar, so you need less quantity um, of stevia compared to sugar. And consumers are um, often confused about the conversion of sugar into stevia, so providing recipes help them to use stevia at home when uh, cooking. On the other side, food and beverages uh, manufacturers are using stevia to reformulate products such as snacks, cereal, ice cream, chocolate confectionery, diary, and sport drinks. You need to know that in the past, many of these products did not have the reduced calorie option. So introducing stevia in this product have allowed for a calorie reduced option to be available to the younger generation and the younger consumers. Stevia is the most used natural sweetener in new product launches in 2019. Um, new product launches with Stevia has continued to increase globally in the past 10 years. Uh, only in 2019, uh, there have been 4,700 uh, products which have been launched with Stevia. And that really represents a 16% increase compared to the number of products which were launched in 2018. These trends confirm that stevia is the sweetness of choice to food and beverage companies. And uh, the categories that have grown the most include um, breakfast cereal, sport nutrition, snacks, supplement, diary product, bakery product. There are many products which uh, use stevia 
uh, as a sweetener. Uh, clearly, the soft drink is globally the driving categories, but uh, the categories that uh, were the most product launch has happened in the past uh, five years is um, snacks, uh, dairy product, uh, bakery product, uh, cereal, ice cream, dessert, uh, supplement, and sport nutrition. So I also have Andy Omez with us today on the Food Institute podcast, and he is the president of the International Stevia Council, and he's also Cargill's global high-intensity sweeteners manager. So I just want to ask how you're doing today, Andy. Doing great. How are you? I'm doing great, Andy. Uh, so I think when I'm having my discussion with you, I think it would be worthwhile to focus on the market itself. So for those uninitiated, how is stevia harvested? Yeah, so it is a stevia is a plant that... Uh originated in Latin America, South America, um, but primarily grown in China today. So you may ask, how did it migrate necessarily from Latin America to China? And it's really the market started in Japan in the 70s. Um, they wanted to bring an additional sweetener to the market. Not a lot of land there in Japan to grow products, so they actually started growing it in China. And today, about 70% of the total stevia leaf comes out of China. Um, and it is planted you know, every year as an annual there. Um, it grows up, it's a member of the chrysanthemum family. It will flower if you let it go long enough. It gets little white flowers on it, but it uh, grows up to about two feet high. They come through, and we've actually developed our own harvesters to harvest this because, you know, nobody really ever developed a harvester before, and they go through and they cut it, and they let it dry in the fields. And then the leaves are removed from the stems, and then you steep it like tea and then purify out the sweet components called stevioglycosides, and that's really what you're getting in the in your product when you buy it in the store and you see stevia leaf extract on the label. So when you say that China is one of the major producers there, you said 70%, what other nations are producing a significant crop? Yeah, so there are opportunities in Latin America, Peru, um, Ecuador, Brazil, and there you have an opportunity to grow it slightly differently in the fact that you can get multiple crops per year. You can leave it in the ground let it grow up, chop it off, let it grow up, chop it off, and you can get three to four harvests. So it, it gives a different growing opportunity. Um, Paraguay as well as another grower. Um, and then we do see some in Africa as well. You know, people are kind of around that, um, kind of the hot zone around the world, um, able to grow stevia very effectively. And there are plots even here in the United States, um, but it is very labor intensive. So um, mechanization is difficult with this um product. So it's going to take a little bit more to develop the tools and equipment to kind of take some of that labor out. So typically you see where, you know, labor is less expensive is where it's grown as well. So regarding processing, is the country where the, the product is grown also where it is processed or is this typically exported to other nations that then process it closer to, uh, you know, other food manufacturing? Yeah, typically it's it's where you want to have your processing where you grow the leaf. Um, the leaf contains about 10% by weight of these uh, sweet components, maybe all the way up to 15%. Um, percent. But you can see you're shipping a lot of material that's not a sweetener around, so you want to have your processing plant very close. So the majority of the processing, again, is in China and Latin America today. Regarding the coronavirus uh, pandemic, you know, everyone is talking about this issue. Are there any issues that could lead to a shortage or a surplus regarding stevia? 
Uh, for example, is there a downturn in demand due to U.S. stay-at-home orders? Are uh, processing nations unable to enter the fields? What is the market looking like? So we'll start with the fields themselves. Um, you know, these do start from cuttings and plantlets um, in a greenhouse that then get moved out to fields and planted. Um, so there was some concern early on that, you know, if people weren't allowed to go in and make those cuttings, then they wouldn't make it in the field. But that doesn't seem to be an issue with China. They were able to get back to work and, and work in a safe way to get that done. And then the other concern is, well, how do you ship it? You know, if these shipping lanes are closed, um, if there's a delay in shipments, that could be a concern. Actually, we didn't run into a lot of that. Um, you know, there were a few delays, but nothing catastrophic by any means. And I think people were carrying sufficient inventories to really help manage, you know, the users, the final end consumer and customers uh, through those times. And it's really settled down quite a bit now. And it is a high potency sweetener. It's very sweet. So for every um, Every pound of stevia would be like 250 to 300 pounds of sugar. So you can also air freight this and it still stays reasonable. So you have other shipping options that you don't normally necessarily have with a bulk sweetener because of the potency, which is kind of a nice thing as well. So have you seen either anecdotally or backed by research a change in consumer demand for the product across the globe as the pandemic continues? Or do you think it's still too early to get an idea of what consumer demand might be like going forward? Well, I think certainly we've all seen, you know, and probably done it a little bit ourselves, you know, going out to the market and filling your pantry a little bit. We called it pantry loading. And, you know, people aren't going in the office. We're both working from home today, you know, but I guarantee in the morning we probably both still had coffee and we still maybe put Stevie in it, I hope. But it's just a change in where you're using it. Rather than using it in your office, you're using it at home and people are filling their pantries. So, those outlets like food service that go into restaurants to go into office places, that certainly that demand is down because they're either not open or people just aren't there. But it's been replaced by the demand that is now in your house. You know, more people are at home baking and stevia, unlike some other high potency sweeteners, you can actually bake with as well. So people are going and getting things off the shelves and making new things at home um, with stevia and stevia products um, and then consuming it the same. And then outside of the food service drop, the demand is, is really steady. People still are looking for healthier options while they're at home when maybe have a little easier access to the fridge, you know, looking for an option of something with a little fewer calories, a little less sugar might not be such a bad thing. At the end of my conversations with Maria, Teresa, and Andy, I gave both of them the opportunity to offer a final closing remark regarding stevia. This is what Maria Teresa had to say. Um, I would like them to remember that Stevia is now approved in more than 100 countries worldwide, that uh, 4.5 billion consumers enjoy daily products sweetness, uh, sweetened with Stevia, and that uh, Stevia is a sustainable, zero-calorie and naturally derived sweetener. So it is a great ally to support nutrition and health by controlling calorie intake. Um, if you try Stevia, you embrace it. And here's what Andy had to say. You know, what are the fundamentals of why people want stevia? You know, they're looking for ways to reduce sugar. They're looking for alternatives to the existing sweeteners out of the market that are being used to do that. Something that's, you know, from a leaf or from nature versus some of the artificials um, and certainly reducing sugar. The WHO has come out and said, look, you're eating too much sugar. Let's limit that. Um, the new labeling laws in the U.S. have certainly had an impact on our customers and how they want to reduce sugar or take sugar all the way out of different products. And it's it's really changing across industries. You know, the, the baking industry in the past, you know, wouldn't do a lot of sugar reduction. But with the new labeling laws, they're really looking for opportunities to do that. So 
all those fundamentals and sugar taxes and things like that aren't changing. So we, we see Stevia continuing to grow. I think the best thing we have going for the whole industry is the fact that, you know, we, we're kind of still in our infancy. Yeah, it's been around 10 to 12 years in the U.S. now, but if you compare that to other sweeteners, it's still the baby on the block, so to speak. You know, the, the first products that came out 10 years ago, quite frankly, weren't very good. You know, people didn't know, nobody went to school and knew how to formulate with Stevia. Well, that education has taken place. There's been a lot of innovation in the space. There's new products on the market. So I guess my, my word to everybody is if you've tried Stevia even five years ago, the Stevia today is far better tasting. It's far easier to work with um, and really enables our customers and the consumer to achieve what they're looking for, which is you know sugar reduction from something from nature. And with that, I think we'll wrap up this week's edition of the Food Institute podcast. I'd like to thank both Andy and Maria Teresa for their time this week. If you'd like to learn more about the International Stevia Council, you can go to internationalsteviacouncil.org. We will definitely share a link to that into the description of this video. So once again, I'd like to thank them for their time. Uh, if you're new to the Food Institute podcast, please follow, like, and share. If you'd like to learn more about the Food Institute itself, please take a look at the links in our description to learn more about us and what membership could do for you and your company. So until next time, this is Chris Campbell, signing off. Mm -hmm.